Hi, I'm Judith Zoe. Welcome to The Digital Period. The Digital Period is a public philosophy project where I, Judith, examine our relationship with technology by taking a closer look at period apps. Period apps are one of the most downloaded health apps in the world. They facilitate tracking menstrual cycles for a bunch of reasons. By the way, if you wanted to know more about me or why I started this project, I invite you to listen to the first episode, which is the prologue, which was published before this one. So this episode is about humans and period tracking. I started having conversations with people who do or consciously do not track their period. I started out with two main questions. Why do people track their period and why is that important to them? I want to understand what individual motivations and values play a role when tracking one's period. I'm also curious whether period apps align with these values that people have and when they don't, how do people respond to that? I have met many incredible people along the way. In this episode, you will hear Iris, one of my best friends. Iris and I talk about everything in life, including periods. So Iris was there for a really logical person to start talking about this as well with. And I'm talking to Mana, a woman I met at a digital policy event, and Ryan, someone who is also part of the same fellowship that allowed me to do this project. However, before we listen to these conversations with these absolutely incredible people, I need to address something else first. So I have thought a lot about how I can make this series inclusive and accessible, not only to account for the wide variety of menstrual experiences, but also to open up the conversation to people who don't menstruate or know nothing about technology. I realized while doing this project that there was so much more to learn about my own cycle. So for those who are new to cycles, I will start with a super quick and short ABC of a menstrual cycle. It is not easy to quickly and accurately describe what happens during a cycle. The NHS, the British National Health Service, explains it as follows. A menstrual cycle is the time from the first day of a person's period to the day before their next. On average, a cycle is 28 days, but there is, as you will learn, quite a large variety from person to person. The menstrual cycle is controlled by hormones. In each cycle, rising levels of the hormone oestrogen cause the ovary to develop and release an egg. This is called ovulation. And the womb lining also starts to thicken. In the second half of the cycle, the hormone progesterone helps the womb to prepare for implementation of a developing embryo. The egg travels down the fallopian tubes. If pregnancy doesn't occur, the egg is reabsorbed into the body. Levels of oestrogen and progesterone fall and the womb lining comes away and leaves the body as a period, the menstrual flow. The time from the release of an egg to the start of a period is around 10 to 16 days. So of course the truth is, there is so much more to learn about cycles than what I just mentioned. If you want to learn more, and I encourage you to learn more about cycles, you can check out the show notes of this podcast for resources and tools on how to learn more about menstrual cycles. Okay, so now that we have everyone up to speed, let's start with my first conversation with Iris, 
one of my best friends. So Iris uses Clue, which is a very popular period app. And Iris showed me how it works. I personally did not use Clue before doing this project. Uh, so she shows me how it looks like, what her features are, and how she experiences her use of the app. Um, so I see my cycle, mm -hmm. and it's just a circle, and the red days are the bleeding days, and the blue days are when you are, I think, most fertile. And then this little circle is when um, your egg is released. This changes monthly to how long they think your cycle will be. So if you are like 40 days or something, mm -hmm. then your blue days, I don't know, it changes. So this is the, the prediction for this month. Mm -hmm. So I can already see that they predict my next period, April 28. Okay. So yeah, but it also has a a calendar when you can just see the days that mm. you've tracked and it goes all the way back to the first month that I started using this app. They changed the app quite a bit over the past three months um, but it also has the analysis where you can just see your past months and how many days your cycle was. So there's like once a year that I have a cycle that's around 40 days when it's usually around 30. So it might be stress-related or something, but I can see how many of those cycles I've had in the past five years mm. or six. And you track because you want the prediction. I want the prediction, yeah. Because there's a pop-up um, that happens and it says your next cycle is about to begin, which sounds exciting when it's really not. <laughs> and why is the... Because you said you were using this app to know when your next period is coming mm -hmm. why do you want to know that you know when you need to bring something in your purse because i'm somebody who doesn't always carry protection um with me so when the app lets me know that it's time um i know how to prepare myself and also mood wise <laughs> if i'm like wait <laughs> why for no reason do i respond like i did mm -hmm. and then you look in the app like oh right yes it's you know, i'm on that day of my cycle so i think it, it gives me uh something to hold on to kind of mood wise yeah <laughs> it explains a lot when you open the app and you're like that's why that happened to better understand me mm -hmm. that's why i have a period tracker on my phone and can you show me the other options your app provides? Okay, so now it's menstrual cycle tracking and you also have um, the option um, when you want kids mm -hmm. um, or when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and it has a lot of features that you can track, um, yes. which is blood, spotting, PMS, sleep, what you eat. You can track your one-night stands if you want to. I think that if you use all of this, it's a, a job. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what it would provide you with. Mm -hmm. If it will really add something to your life or if it will just feel like you're using Facebook for your period. <laughs> so I think Iris explained really well how Clue works and how it looks like. 
most period apps work in a similar way. They usually indicate when a person can expect ovulation, although there is definitely discussion about whether apps can actually do that. And they usually indicate when you can expect the bleeding days, as Iris calls them. They also have different modes. Some are more towards fertility and others are against fertility and like help you to prevent pregnancy. Although that too is quite controversial. If we look at the literature, there are often many reasons given why people track their period. People track to be aware of their period. People track to be aware of how their body is doing, understand their body's reactions to different phases of their cycle, be prepared, like Iris, become pregnant, like many of my friends when I turn 30, and inform conversations with healthcare providers. And Iris had actually something else to say about the app, because even though the apps can be used for different reasons, and Iris definitely uses this app for predicting when her next period is coming, these apps sometimes also suggest to the user why they should be using the app or how they could be using the app. And um, yeah, this is what Iris had to say about that. I really, a lot of the time, get the message, are you trying to get pregnant? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does really <laughs> mean to start having kids. Or at least that's what it feels like. Yeah. So they're asking you, are you trying to get pregnant? Discover your new guide for conception. If you... I emailed them about it, but they just asked me what I thought of all of their new features. <laughs> <laughs> so they did not actually reply. They just send me, I think, an automated message because maybe a lot of people are confused with the new look mm -hmm. um, of the app and maybe that's why they send me an automated message. Because yeah. when you press the ad, um, you get this message which says you can enlarge your chances to getting pregnant uh, and then it says receive daily predictions on the best times to have sex or for home insemination. Oh, oh they went all out. But I, I, I do feel like they give me this option or this ad because they might still believe that I do not know that there is an option mm -hmm. they provide to help you conceive. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of feel like maybe that's why they are showing me. But at the same time, <laughs> if I were to want to, mm -hmm. I feel like you'd go looking. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just think that that makes it feel like the app is not as inclusive as it could be. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you want to conceive, you will go look for the feature. And when you don't want to conceive, you would be very happy not to be confronted with that feature. Mm -hmm. So I think <laughs> it would make the app more inclusive if they would remove that in-app advertisement. Yeah. I mean, it annoys me, but it will not make me move away from the app because I still do. I'm really happy with what it gives me, mm -hmm. but I do get annoyed with that ad because it just doesn't really add anything to the app, you know, for me, because mm -hmm. I don't think I'd ever use that feature. So the next person that you will hear is Mana. Like I said, I met Mona in Brussels, but Mona actually then was still living in Toronto, but she was working on migrating to Europe, which she by now has actually done. I talked to her over Zoom, so the audio quality is a little different. So Mona's menstrual cycle 
plays a very big role in how she lives her life. And understanding her cycle really started with reading a specific book called Period Power by Maisie Hill, which is a well-known book about menstruation that promises to give people tools to improve their menstrual health. It really helped Mana, and she was kind enough to explain again why that book impacted her so much and why her cycle is so important for her life. Um, so the book I referenced was Period Power, and I think when I read it two years ago, it was just this really pivotal moment for me where I realized, you know, I think of myself and my life in all these different categories, and reading this book made me realize that it's my menstrual health and my knowledge and understanding of my body is completely related to all these different categories of my life that I'd kept separate previously. So the more I read about the book, the more I about this throughout the through the different books, the more I realized my lifestyle choices have a very direct impact on the quality of my cycle. So I was starting to learn that, you know, how restful I feel, how well my sleep is, how much I'm certain parts of my cycle I'm very much more interested in like socializing being energetic being very uh, attentive to that and giving my body what it needs is helpful in providing me with like a much more I guess like stabilized cycle Um, I just wanted to basically get a sense of what cues my body was giving me so that I could think about how I can design and you know organize my agenda accordingly but the other element that I I should mention is there's a period of time where I was uh, provided a template by a psychiatrist who specializes in, I guess, diagnosing women with PMDD. So PMDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It is a more severe form of premenstrual syndrome, PMS, that some people might know. It is an abnormal reaction to normal hormone changes. It can impact people severely and disrupt their lives. It includes a very wide variety of symptoms, from feeling depressed to bad skin problems uh, to even diminished urine output or vomiting. Yeah, so that is PMDD. And the template they gave me to track my period in the lead up to my appointment had certain questionnaires and like prompts that I found it had like a bit of a more difficult and negative connotation to the questions it was a lot more like on a scale of one to ten how uh depressed do you feel this day and a lot of the questions were like more or less along those notes and that to me I found like day in and day out because it becomes a very ritualistic uh exercise so day in and day out sitting down and reflecting on your day through this relatively negative lens was impacting also my almost like relationship to my uh, cycle. And I didn't like that. So how has the way you track your period changed over time? Do you still track your period? I do track my period. I first started before reading this book. So about five years ago, and I was using an app on my phone. But what I learned after this reading this book is there are basically so many different ways you can go about tracking your period. And I am generally drawn to writing things on paper a lot more than I am on typing things up or putting it into my phone. 
and kind of coming up with my own structure as opposed to relying on this predetermined set of questionnaire that and prompts that the app had. And then there were the, you know, many concerns that were being raised about privacy and how your data is being handled. So that was another motivator for me to go back to this manual written approach. So right now I have this, this template that I use that's kind of like a pie chart and it has roughly 30 days, um, like kind of 30 pie pieces drawn out and each day color maybe that specific pie chart to reflect the shade of color that you associate with your day. Um, and a couple of really simple prompts that I've used, I've kind of come up with with myself that uh, I like to put in there to first know the date of my cycle, like if it's day three out of 30. This probably is very important to me because of the reason why I read this book in the first place. Well, I'd lost my cycle for a period of time, an extended period of time. And I didn't understand why. And that prompted this journey of learning as much as I could about the about my menstrual cycle that I hadn't previously, uh, you know, throughout the public education system. And how has tracking this way influenced your relationship with your body? Has it improved? I would say it absolutely has improved. I, I'm still learning about it. But the main reason for why I say it improved is because I feel like up until this point, I was living my life very much according to external um, kind of expectations and standards. So thinking about, let's say, like my performance in school and then subsequently in the workplace, being very rigid, being very much like I should do this every single day. Um, I should exercise the same way every single day and throughout the month. And if there's a week where I don't, there must be something wrong with me. But after this, I guess, educational period, it's not completely flipped where it's more so, uh, you know, understanding that there are four key phases to my cycle and my body will gravitate and prefer different types of exercises, for example, throughout the month. And uh, there's nothing wrong with it if one week gets a bit, it needs a little bit more rest than others. And if anything, I now like adjust my expectations accordingly. And there just feels to be a lot more like inner harmony as a result of that. So yeah, very much, I would say it's improved it. <laughs> I think it is wonderful that Mona was able to find a way to improve her health by doing her own research and taking control over her own condition. And that she has found a way of tracking that actually supports her. At the same time, I think her story also illustrates a bigger problem. At the beginning of 2023, I spoke to a researcher from the Rathenau Institute. Then they just started their research on Femtech. Their research is now published and it's called Gezondheidstechnologie Speciaal voor Vrouwen, Femtech and the Gezondheidskloof, which, for those who don't speak Dutch, loosely translates to Health Technology for Women, Femtech and the Health Gap. In their reports, they state that compared to men, women feel less healthy and often experience more physical and psychological problems. This is even worse when these women belong to marginalized groups. This has to do with the role and position of women in society. Women-specific health complaints, such as PMDD, are still less talked about. In their reports, they also outline that historically, the man has always been the starting point in medical research. There is therefore less data on women and less knowledge about the origin of disorders in women and their treatment, 
which they call the gender data gap. Knowledge and scientific data based on the male body have long-lasting effects in healthcare practices. Another great book that describes this phenomenon is Invisible Women by Carolina Criado Perez. She too describes how our world, including our healthcare and technology, is built for and by men. All of the resources I mentioned throughout this podcast will always be also mentioned in the show notes, so make sure to check them out. So societal norms and values impact stuff. They impact how we do science, how we provide care, what we feel we can talk about, and how technology looks like. Examining period apps, examining technology, means examining values and norms. The topic period apps is a very personal and intimate topic. It is also a political one. As I mentioned in the beginning, there is one more person I would like you to meet. Rayan Mitrovic, who is co-founder of Radical Data, together with their partner, Joe. And together they are building a self-tracking app called Self. Ryan, Joe, and I, all three, are part of the 30 people that received the Landecker Democracy Fellowship in 2022. The Landecker Democracy Fellowship annually supports diverse changemakers in unpacking and addressing historic and contemporary systems of inequity. It enabled me to do this project, for which I am very thankful. During the fellowship, we were matched as buddies, but I am sure we will remain buddies for way longer. While the realization that most tech is built for and by men might deter some to using technology, Ryan chose to deal with it head on. So with Ryan, I talked about their own experience with tracking and how that was intertwined with their motivations to build a health app that is based on queer theory. So with Ryan, I talked about a lot of things. But mostly we talked about why they are building a self-tracking app, why that is important to them, why self-tracking is important to them, and also why it is not just a personal issue, but also a political issue. I'm happy to introduce Ryan. My name is Ryan. I am a Chilean person living in the Netherlands. My background is in contemporary dance and performance art and philosophy of bodies, politics, gender, and all of those things. And then I found technology like two years ago. We are looking at all health apps if we can. Like we are really like into this nerd intense research process of like downloading everything. And I, I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> downloading everything and like, like really from this feeling of what kind of ideology is behind a user um, relationship with an app and what implications has, you know, what intentions has. Periods, trackers, well, something that is evident uh, for me is the design, you know, like the colors, um, the ways, like, kind of assuming that woman, female, or bodies who menstruate deserve to be represented in pink, which is really something that I never felt connected with. Also, as a non binary person, I'm like not like it at all, you know. I don't want to be apt to assume that because my body menstruates, I am a woman or like a female person. With... Why the concept of female is related with pink? Yeah, also the questions like Flo, for example, also has like kind of a chat with a chatbot thing. 
Well, it tells you information, but also with a lot of assumptions about things. Also, I was for a, like a big lack of support with period trackers. For example, when I was with a breakdown, like a depression, very intense depression process for a few months, I didn't have my period. It's the first time of my life that something like that happened and I was really not understanding what was happening in my body. Of course, now I understand, you know, when you stop eating, when you stop like sleeping and you get depressed, of course, your period is related with all what's happening. But in that point, I was like really, I remember like super anxious because Flo, every time that I open it, it asked me like, oh, you haven't put your period. You haven't input your period. And I was like, yeah, because it's fucking not coming, you know. It's still like kind of traumatic memory of the app assuming that my period would come and I was in a very awkward situation and very sad about it. And the app was like just asking me why it's not normal, you know. When the first time I enter into what does it mean self-tracking, Joe pointed out this quantified self-movement, which is let's use data, quantify our bodies and use numbers and data to get better in a way. It was mainly about healthy white guys researching on how to become more productive or more effective you know not just in work and brain potential but also in sex and love if quantifying yourself means all of these is it's always like it's just a tool or it's also this ideology my motivation was like really try in my body to make use of data to understand myself in a way and at the same time it was from my very also intimate desire of like can I make this understanding a political gesture in a way you know and this is also coming a lot from like my perspective on dance and somatics you know where like somatics is based on like using your mind to feel your body you know and how visualization of parts of your body how just being there thinking on that part really open like the muscles the tissues allows you to move in a different way so i was like how that awareness that worked for me when i was a dancer when, I, when i'm a dancer but when i was practicing a lot of that could be reorientated and how tracking myself can give me that awareness of what is happening in the complex of a life, you know. Mm-hmm. Within the quantified self movement, a lot of people use the tool of quantifying to improve production or improve efficiency. And I think that is the part that you're trying to question. Do I understand it correctly? Yeah. What do you think are the limits of what an app can do? But I'm wondering when designing anything, but also an app, how we can kind of define in, adv- in advance the limits of what we can do or what we can suggest or what we can estimate. And I don't, I don't know the answer. No. Well, I think one of the first things for me is assuming that we are humans dealing with a tool we are creating as humans. So all the biases and limitations as humans we have, the tool will have it in a way. And for that technology is what it is right now mm-hmm. because it's full of biases that humans have been having for thousands of years. Um... And for that, create an alternative is difficult because we also are human. Me, Joe, you, Judith, you know, is people who has been b- born in this world and understand the world from a very limited perspective. And we are trying to 
work that out and change it, you know, but it's also like a micro-political work that is difficult. But I think something interesting is like, for me, well, one of the things is that human part, like the limitation in a way of that our mind has towards the world. Mm -hmm. Another one is like, when, like understand that, as you said before, like the world is complex and our lives are complex and technology I don't know if we can translate that in technology, but we can also try and fail. And I think that's like something that in general, when we do these kind of things like projects or startups or even activism or NGOs, all these kind of things, we forget a bit about failure and a bit Mm -hmm. mistaking. And I think we really need to embrace that, like try things and assume that probably we will fail. And I don't know if self is going to be for everyone I don't think so, because I'm assuming that everybody is different. But I'm trying to create something that kind of integrates and open the doors for lots of diversity. But I think also that kind of utopia, even also some social movements and stuff of like, we need, we want to integrate everyone. I don't know if we can, you know, and that's okay as well, you know, and we're going to create other movements and we're going to work out that way, you know, but that idea of failure and mistaking and like, just not doing the the perfect thing is also fine. And I think it's important to bring it also in the process of building technology. I think that kindness through technology and openness is something that we self we are trying to build and something as a user also. Um, I think it's important and needed in some of the projects that are, are around. I also think people completely forget that technology is designed by humans. Yeah. Uh, so I also think a lot of users expect things of technology that it can deliver. And I'm really curious also, like this element of ex- experimentation, uh, if there is a way or will be a way of showcasing that. Yeah, I think, well, the idea of the book is a bit to bring that. And that's like, for me, the way, like the journal in a way of the process of understanding, well, the theory of it, the politics of it, the queer perspective on all these, but as well, like this step by step, like how... The process of building the app is also revealing a lot of these failings, experiments or like limitations we see on decisions and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, what I really hope that it will have a positive impact on existing apps. And I think also approaching ourselves when we make mistakes, but also others when we critique them with a lot of respect and um, appreciation for the fact that they are trying to do something. I'm also curious... So for someone listening to this conversation who is maybe using one of the conventional apps or still using their own calendar, what would you like them to think about? Well, I think the whole possibility of self-tracking in the periods or in another decisions you do is really a portal to understanding what is happening in your body. And that's precious, I think, because... We are born and grow up in a society which teaches to be as far as we can of our bodies. And that's, for me, the main political tool to build a system we live in. To make people so precariously related with their feelings, their sensations, their pleasure, their feeling of being alive. And because of that, they can take everything from us. We can be oppressed, we can oppress others easily if we forget that we are alive and that we are in our bodies. So for me, self-tracking is being one of the tools to 
get closer to my body, to see others get closer to their bodies. It's a small window that can really open a channel, open a path for learning who you are and how you are experiencing your life and which things you want to change, take decisions, empower, all these kind of concepts that are now around. Mm -hmm. But more or less, like, look at yourself, be aware and take action on things, you know. And I think technology could be then an amazing tool to make that easier for us to learn about things that we haven't learned in the school, with our families, in the streets, that bring us that knowledge and that possibility to experiment, to play and to enjoy our bodies in their own difference and singularity. Um, so I, I, I hope people can make use of, of that, um, in, even in the difficulties of apps that take so much assumptions about our lives and if not, then let's claim for something different. Thank you so much. Made me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Oh, that was awesome. That was great. So why do people track their period and why is it important to them? I think also based on these three conversations, people track their cycle to better understand themselves and to enable themselves to make conscious decisions about how they want to live their life. It can help with practical things. For Iris, it helps her to prepare for a next period. It can also help with more fundamental things. For Mana, it is a method to make choices based on how she feels and less based on external factors. For Ryan, self-tracking is important because they believe that when we are in our bodies, we are in a better position to be ourselves fully and demand space for ourselves. Tracking can also impact us negatively. This can be the case both when we track by using an app or when we are filling a medical questionnaire. Assumptions, outdated cultural norms and historical one-sided scientific health research is all reflected in the tracking methods made by humans. In the next episode, I will talk about what the impact is of design choices made in period apps, and we will discuss the societal aspects of period apps. What risks should we look out for when we want to track ourselves? Next episode will be published next week. It is so exciting that this episode is now live. Thank you so much for embarking on this journey with me. If you want to learn more, you can check out the show notes on my website, thedigitalperiod.com, or you can follow me on Instagram, which is slash thedigitalperiod. Talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening. The series was created by me, Judith Zoe. A big shout out to everyone who was part of today's conversation. Iris van Wermond, Mana Sarikipur, and Ryan Mitrovic. The jingle and all other musically bits were made by Christos Scholtens and me. The series was made possible by support from Humanity in Action and the Alfred Landecker Fund. <laughs>